welcome to this BGSM podcast. My name is Stefan Griffin. I'm a junior doctor and a member of the BGSM editorial team. Today I'm joined by James Collins, a leading performance nutritionist and one of the leads on the recent UEFA expert group statement on nutrition in elite football. James has worked with a range of elite sporting organisations and is also the founder of the Intra Performance Group. Welcome to the podcast, James. Thank you, Stefan. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. Um, so could you start by telling us about how this statement came about um, and maybe where it fits into the existing literature? Yeah, absolutely, uh, Stefan. Yeah, so uh, I guess within elite football, nutrition plays a really valuable role in optimising the performance of elite players during training and match play, but also maintaining their health throughout a long season. And the one thing I'd say from the start is nutrition is a rapidly growing discipline and it's becoming more integral within football. So almost, let's say, you know, winding the clock back about four years now, uh, the idea for updating the expert statement came through a conversation with Dr. Alan McCall, who's the head of research and innovation there. And at that time, we approached uh, Professor Ron Morn, uh, who led the last FIFA consensus back in 2006. And we decided it was time to, to, to update those guidelines and we needed a best practice statement. So our first step really was to form a steering committee. So we engaged Dr. Johan Billsborough, who's head of performance for the New England Patriots, and also Professor Mike Gleason from Loughborough University. And we sort of made a start from there. Now, I guess one of the most important questions is the rationale straight away. So we can obviously see how much time has passed since 2006. And the first thing we were hearing on the ground from different practitioners was, well, we've got lots of rapidly evolving research, but ultimately practitioners can't keep up with that. You know, we've got more depth and breadth of research, so more in the field of fueling and recovery. And also we're in a time now we've got more mixed messages on social media. I think aligned to that point as well, the game has changed. So the physiological demands of football have increased more high-speed running and more high-speed sprinting. So we have to be able to fuel our players to cope better with those demands and to recover more effectively. I think over this time as well, there's been an increased interest in supplementation, but also a lack of consensus on the efficacy and the safety for different supplements. And finally, you know, and probably fitting with um, some of your, your group here, Stefan, uh, with more and more publications on rehabilitation and return to play, how should nutrition support this pathway? So our, re- our rationale really was to get clarity on the current evidence base and deliver best practice guidelines for practitioners in the field. And I, th- I think still recognising that there are limitations within the evidence and we do have to extrapolate from other sports and exercise protocols too. That's really fascinating insight into actually the, the process behind it. And I know it's, it's something that took many, many years. Um, but <laughs> kind of to delve into it a little now. So as you mentioned, you've separated it into, into various subtopics um, from matching nutrition to the role of supplements. Um, and I think it'd be really cool to start with training nutrition. So if you might be able to summarize some of the main take home recommendations and findings um, in regard to nutritional planning for training, I think that'd be brilliant. Yeah, thanks, Stefan. Yeah, and the training and match day sections within the manuscript are the two biggest sections, I'd say. And, you know, I think firstly, let's look at carbohydrates. So within football, carbohydrates, the primary fuel for high intensity activity. So Perhaps within this answer, we can focus a little bit on some of the guidelines around carbohydrates. So I think, you know, firstly, what I'd say is within the paper, 
the expert group have provided a, a carbohydrate framework of requirements. And this is for different training scenarios. And what we've recommended is that the intake of carbohydrates should be on a sliding scale, on a continuum, on the lower end at three grams per kilogram body mass, right the way through to eight grams per kilogram body mass. And this should be dependent on specific training. Now, on the higher end of this uh, scenario here, if we move to match play, on match day minus one, on match day itself, and on match day plus one, carbohydrate intake should be elevated to between six and eight grams per kilogram body mass to elevate muscle and liver glycogen stores. Whereas on some of the lower loading days, this might reduce to around three grams per kilogram body mass. Another point is on the match day itself, we've got a recommendation that a meal should be consumed between three and four hours before kickoff that provides between one and three grams per kilogram of carbohydrate per kilogram body mass. And the one thing we know within elite football is those that start the mass with low muscle glycogen stores cover less distance and at much less high speed. So the one thing that we try to counter with these recommendations is that match day carbohydrate intake with our elite players is often lower than recommended, especially in the recovery during evening matches. So we need to make a conscious effort to increase this carbohydrate intake, often at the cost of fat intake and even possibly protein intake. And translating this science onto the ground, the role of practitioners in the federations and the clubs is working very closely with the players to educate them to adapt their nutrition strategies accordingly. We know that players will often sit on training days around four grams per kilogram body mass. So the role of the practitioner is having to educate them to plan their fueling alongside their loading and their goals. So James, one of the other sections you, you cover is body composition. Um, how important is this, you know, for the, for the clinician listening, how important is body composition in football? Yeah, it's, it's an area that gets a lot of attention, isn't it, Stefan? I think within football clubs and within sports teams as a whole. And within football, body composition can impact performance. Uh, increased skeletal muscle mass can enhance strength and power, uh, whilst reducing fat mass may improve power to weight ratio. I think the important thing that we highlight within these recommendations is that there's no single body mass or body fat percentage value that fits for all players. One of the other things you go into, you go into in the paper, um, and this I guess is very relevant to any physios, any doctors, any kind of clinicians listening, uh, is in, a nutrition around when players are injured. Um, could you summarise how this nutritional how the how nutrition changes when people are injured and um, what should clinicians know yes so i guess it's important to note from the start that the evidence is still limited in this area to a collection of lab-based studies and elite athlete case studies now we know that uh, skeletal muscle atrophy and deconditioning is evident after a few days so during this post-injury phase care needs to be taken to maintain energy balance and protein intake and also to avoid any micronutrient deficiencies to facilitate wound healing and tissue repair. Due to, uh, due to the metabolic demand of tissue healing, staying as close as possible to energy balance is crucial. And practically on the ground, what this might mean is reminding players not to diet or reduce their intake when they become injured due to the perceived lack of activity. To limit muscle loss, metabolic studies show that um, equal feedings of around 20 to 30 grams of leucine-rich protein meals throughout the day and pre-sleep 
can help to offset muscle loss and, and function. And these are building on some of our key recommendations within the training section. Longer term, maintaining energy balance and absolute protein intake of in excess of 1.6 grams per kilogram uh, body mass is one of the nutritional priorities to limit muscle tissue deconditioning associated with the reduced phys physical activity during injury and recovery. In terms of uh, one question that the coaches, athletes, and even medics and clinicians on the ground might be asking is, um, and especially I guess in, the, in an injury setting, is, is the role of supplements in this. Um, what role do they play in general when it comes to nutrition, especially in elite football? Yeah, this is a really important question, uh, Stefan. And, you know, we clearly outline in this piece that the footballers' nutrition program should be centred around a food-first policy, with nutrition only being used to meet specific health and performance objectives. And due to the risk of a positive doping violation from the use of dietary supplements, extreme caution must be taken when considering their use. So within the paper, we classify the categories of supplements into number one, micronutrients to prevent or treat deficiency, such as iron, vitamin D, calcium. Number two, sports foods, uh, which supply convenient macronutrients for training and matches, uh, for example, carbohydrate gels or protein drinks. And the performance supplements, the supplements that may improve performance, such as caffeine, creatine and others. And it's really important to note that the third party testing programs, such as the Cologne List in Germany and in informed sports in the UK, will reduce the risk of a doping violation due to contaminated supplements. And this should be overseen by the team nutritionist and the medical doctor. Perfect. And again, you know, for clinicians listening, James, we can we can put the websites for well, we can definitely put the informed uh, sport website in the in the link to to this podcast and, and in the notes. Um, I know having conducted such a, a comprehensive uh, document, James, you are really well placed to kind of uh, to comment on, on the field in general. Um, one of the questions I think some of our listeners might have is what are the next steps for nutrition in elite football in particular? Uh, and where do you see this going in the next maybe five to 10 years? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a really good question, uh, Stefan. And I think one of the things we recognize uh, with putting together this piece with UEFA and all of our experts and speaking to all of the stakeholders on the ground is that this is an area growing rapidly and becoming increasingly specialized. And was really important for us to establish the best practice guidelines uh, right across the game. So we have some continuity with how nutrition is applied within different countries and in with different clubs. I'd say that we now need further research on all of the topics that we've covered within this expert statement, but particularly for the female and the junior players. So if we look at then how this may, you know, might affect things on the ground, you know, practically on the ground within the clubs across the different countries, I think firstly, you know, we need to ensure that clubs are using qualified practitioners, uh, first of all, who are embedding, um, sorry, who are embedded within multidisciplinary teams within the clubs. And I think finally, the, you know, the last point within this is that education and advice should be culturally relevant for the different teams in different countries. And also, I think a next stage alongside this will be how we incorporate different sustainability principles within our recommendations. So. I think we've got lots to work on, uh, Stefan, in the next five years, but this is uh, an important and an exciting first step. 
Absolutely. And I know that for, for listeners who might want to get this in kind of bite-sized chunks, obviously there's this podcast they can listen to, um, but you've also worked with the likes of Jan Lemur to, to produce some really engaging infographics. Um, and if, if people want to maybe come across you or ask you some questions on social media, what's the best way of, of getting in touch with you? Yes, thanks, Stefan. Yes, so my, my handle on social is James Collins PN. Or you can also send a message to our practice uh, email, uh, which is uh, intraperformancegroup. So info at intraperformancegroup.com. And I, I think finally, Stefan, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd just also like to say a few thank yous as well. Um, yeah, uh, as part of this, you know, I, I think firstly, uh, a huge thank you to BGSM, uh, to yourself, uh, Stefan, and to Karim Khan for their support of getting this, uh, uh, you know, supporting our publication here. Uh, and a massive thank you to UEFA for their support of this project all along, and also to our steering committee. And, you know, a wholehearted thank you to all of our 31 in our expert group. You know, this really was a team effort and a lot of long hours by, by a lot of people. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to, to share that. Thank you for listening to this BGSM podcast. We hope you have a wonderfully physically active day.